Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Hi, and welcome back to Window Seat, recorded live from the Lion Hotel in Oregon, Washington, D.C., broadcast on Full Service Radio and presented by Amila, the Adams Morgan Youth Leadership Academy. I'm Christopher Price. Mr. Francis is here. How are you, sir? Doing amazing. Yo, you've changed your answer, answer over, like, the days, and that, like, now it's consistent, consistently amazing. I noticed that. And you say it with, like energy yeah i mean that's how i feel even when i that's how i feel period you could hear the smile on his face when he said the word (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you know doing good all right well i want to ask you about that but i'm not gonna do that is it was it someone that's like inspiring you at all Mm, yes but it's more me um yeah it's just more me not you know so I'm learning. Chris is. You and I have talked a lot. Um, so for me, it's kind of just accepting certain experiences as opportunities to grow. Oh, we getting spiritual. So uh, you know, I'm. I'm when something. It might take a minute, a couple hours, a day or two. But once I get to a point when it's like, fuck it, it's an opportunity to grow. I'm like, oh, you know. You don't well, take it so personal. I'm back on top. Oh, I take it personal. In the I take, moment, if it, if it comes from a person, I take it personal. Indeed, but I don't. I don't allow it to. It just for me. It informs me about that person. I but, can't tell if you're angry or happy now. Like I'm a little. Oh, I'm. Oh, well, it depends. <laughs> did you just start to make me angry? Because <laughs> I'm cool, but my anger is 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 an external thing, and it's directed at whoever's making me angry. But I ain't gonna carry it with me. All right. Well, let me keep making the way my way around the room. Oh. I also have Jack in the back. <laughs> <About> that. <laughs> Jack, how are you? I'm good, man. It's a brand new season. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. You made me feel very important by saying my hat looked, um, what do you say, luxurious? It does. Yeah. I, I was trying to come up with a car. It's like an M6. Like that's what, <laughs> that's what your hat reminds me of. That's what happens when you don't have hair, man. You know, you gotta. <laughs> nah, man, you keep it cool. <laughs> I'm good though, man. It's a new season here at Full Service Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah season yeah. three. Yes, season three, something like that. Um, fall, winter. You know, we treat it like the fashion seasons in New York. So, That's what this yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and it's definitely a different uh, vibe in the studio, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, things are things are crispy in here right now. Give it a couple months. And people start <laughs> breaking shit, Jack, <laughs> no, <laughs> cursing no, people no, out, no. tossing people out of the studio. No, sir. I've been thinking a lot about um, what this show is and how it communicated to people. Um, I know when we went to NPR. I said we we're lucky that we get to talk to people who hustle on a day-to-day basis and just like, I don't know, expose people to things they can do, what's possible, and hopefully spark an interest, right? So today is pretty awesome in that um, we live in a beautiful city. The city's changing super fast. Um, and I didn't know 
that a lot of this artwork I see in this city was coming from the same person. And I see the signature. So I live in Adams, Morgan. And you live in Adams, Morgan. And you have a piece of art just down the street. Or at least it was, it was a woman jumping with a shopping bags. Yes. And your signature stood out to me. And now having you here, I'm thinking to myself, let me see the other art. And I'm like, damn, that signature's everywhere. How did I, how did I miss this? So um, it's awesome to be able to talk to someone about creating art and the passion that comes behind that yeah. and all that's possible to, that, that could possibly come with that. Because I don't know. I don't, I don't know what your struggle is mm-hmm. like choosing art as your passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the ups and the downs that come with that. And I don't know, like, did you, did, we had one guy in here who was a photographer and he was like, man, I'm, I've been trying to like check out food and sometimes I don't know if the money is in the account because he's following his passion. So like sometimes a lot of things come with that. Yeah, um, it's, it's a, it's a uh, art is a feast and famine game. So I don't want to butcher your name because we're just meeting. <laughs> So, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, my name is Ania Khan Udofia. And, um, You're I'm, a muralist. Yes, I'm a painter and illustrator, actually. Okay. So, the murals fall under the painting side of things. But the thing that I really love doing is illustration. I, and I, that's what I apply to the mural work. I want to take a moment and paint the picture from everybody. Because I split time between here and Miami. Miami is a heavy city and art right so i don't know if there's a hundred murals in dc i mean we have art as well but i feel like the majority of my city what am i, am I wrong in this are yours are, are they so if you come to the city is most of the artwork going to be yours <laughs> i mean i've um i think it might be up to like 35 both indoor and outdoor and um this is it spans all the way back to 2009. Um, so, yeah, it's just that um, over time, uh, the, the growth, you know, like from the city being that D.C. is so small. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people kind of took a liking to the work and, you know, the, the, the themes and things like that. So I've always been in the art scene in D.C., even though, you know, like the whole idea of D.C. when people think of it is mainly politics. So mm-hmm. there's like a whole nother world. So um, I was born here in D.C., but I grew up in Nigeria. And then I returned here to pursue a career in the arts. So when I came here, the first thing I did, because um, I, I play ball. So mm-hmm. I go to the basketball court in the neighborhood here in Adams Morgan. And um, people... Slowly but surely, I think one day I brought my sketchbook out there, and people were like, "Oh, you should, you know, you should bring, you know, take this with you everywhere, so people know what you're doing." So I took that literally, and I used to take my sketchbook to the clubs. <laughs> That's a good move. That's a good move. So, How did that work out? <laughs> yeah, it did work out. Because, I know it did. Uh, a lot of people who, a lot of MCs who wanted mixtapes done, you know, they would you know, see the work and I would just, you know, they, um, I would just have my sketchbook and people would look through it like a photo album. And eventually, slowly but surely, you know, people started commissioning me for smaller projects like album covers, mixtape covers and stuff like that. And um, eventually I started working 
um, as an illustrator for XXL Magazine, Frank 151 Magazine. Uh, there's a magazine here called While You Were Sleeping, um, DC Pulse Magazine. Um, there was another one called Rhyme Magazine in L.A. I want to back up for a moment because I, I listened to your story, um, and I really like the persistence you had in taking a trip mm-hmm. up to New York. So I don't, I don't want to tell that quite yet mm-hmm. because before all of that, it sounded like culturally your parents had a different vision for you growing up. Absolutely. They rejected you being an artist. Yes, still do. <laughs> so like, so on, on your TED Talk, uh, I think it said passion as... Uh, yeah. Not ammo, but yeah, yeah, fuel, fuel, fuel for. Um, um, well, yeah. I lost the word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when, when you like resistance or yeah, know, yeah. Um, and you said at the end, kind of like you didn't feel like you were um, revolutionary. I think was the word you used. Yeah, but yeah. I'm listening to your story. I'm like, yeah, you were because you kind of like had the courage to fight through what the people around you, the most influential people around you believe that you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just tell us like some of your experiences growing up? Like, What was it like in your household where your folks thought you should be doing something different than art? I mean, my parents come from that, you know, most African parents who come to travel abroad and get um, education, mm-hmm. that's what they want for their kids. Because um, with us, it's more about the prestige. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a doctor, I have a doctorate degree, I have a blah, blah, blah degree. And so do my children. And that's how people view it. And even amongst us Nigerians, when we talk, we always address that. Like, you know, what am I doing with an engineering degree when my real passion is music? You know, and the same, if you look at it, like the same thing happened to Fela. You know, uh, Fela Kuti, the Afrobeat godfather. And he he had a high education, but look at where, that's why he... why he resonated so much with people was because he used what is called pidgin English for his music and completely ignored the English English, the he Western English. Yeah, so he stayed true to his culture, you know, Kalakuta Republic and stuff like that. So it's funny because when I was in Nigeria, we were not allowed to listen to Fela. I learned about Fela here. That's weird. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the same kind of, you know, like at some point, it wasn't my, my parents always try to push education, so our house, I, I always describe our house like it was either a church or a school, so if we were not studying, we were praying, mm-hmm. you know so we were bored out of our minds, so you know, we would start, the drawing thing became like <laughs> a way of like finding a balance Yeah, I heard your between. parents prayed art out of you <laughs> they tried you know <laughs> just, <laughs> they tried because they thought it was you know it's it they it's funny because you, you have to be very careful what you expose mm-hmm. kids to so when we were here what they did was they exposed us to a lot of coloring books and comic books and they didn't know like that's how you train an artist like that's how you train literally expose a kid to all those kinds of things and they'll get hooked you know, so we were hooked. Um, my sister draws, my brother, my younger brother draws, I draw, you know, so um, <laughs> so it started becoming a problem because it, they would see that clearly in school, every subject that required diagrams, I would score very high points in the diagram section, but fail the other side. And I ended up using, when I was in school, I, that's all I did. I 
drew, you know, people would pile up their notebooks, especially biology class. And that was the beginning of <laughs> my business because, you know, people couldn't draw the skeletons. I would sit there and draw like 20 skeletons. But at the same time, as I'm doing this, I'm also, I, it wasn't intentional, but indirectly I'm learning anatomy through that. You're getting better. Yeah, and as I kept doing that. So, you know, it, it was a lot of bumping heads because my parents were, did not like the idea of, you know, teachers and principals constantly saying, like, oh, wow, he has a talent. You know, you should think about putting him in a school where he would feel like he can do this. So did they were like, nah, you know, we're, you know, they kept switching schools and I kept doing the same thing. The school I went to, I would, become popular from drawing rather than anything else. Did you, uh, I noticed you worked for XXL. Did you become a fan of hip-hop in Nigeria or did you move here first? I know yeah, you were born I, here. I, yeah, I discovered, so I discovered hip-hop in Nigeria because, you know, the Fela thing, we used to listen to Fela like how, you know, someone would watch porn. So, you know, we would secretly listen to Fela, me and my friends. It was bad. (laughs) Your cell phone? Did they have cell phones back then? (laughs) So So me and my friends would secretly be like, did you hear what he said in this song? And we would laugh about it, you know, and really listen to it. So um, when the funniest thing was hip-hop started blowing up, you know, this is like the 90s. And so that 90s hip-hop, you know, NWA, you know, Ice-T and things like that. And it's funny because... We would blast that at home, and my parents would be like, ah, listen to all that rubbish, and they would let us listen to it, not knowing that it's the same exact message as Fela, so, like, fight the power and fuck the police and all that stuff, so, you know, I levitated towards hip-hop and absorbed it a lot and understood it, and it gave me more... um, it, like it broadened my idea of the black struggle in America, even though I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And a f- another funny thing is, while my parents were here, they had the bright idea to collect all the classic books, like Soul on Ice and mm-hmm. the Autobiography of Michael, Malcolm X. Um, and so I was reading those books and then making the connection. Then, right. So I, I was, you know, America to me was like the promised land I was like yo that's I, I know now exactly what I want to do I, I want to this is what I want to do I want to do these album covers because I was reading right on magazine and at the time uh, <laughs> right on magazine and you know vibe and the source and I was like this is what I want to do and then I saw a Tribe Called Quest album cover and I was like okay it's official this is what I want to do and um, that um, organized confusion cover really hit me and I was like Okay, I'm very sure this is what I, I and I thought I, it would, you know, I would hit here like just come here and be like, oh, yeah, you know, dive right into it. But there was a, a whole story, another me, chapter waiting. I'm thinking about back for me, hip hop kind of like put my mind in a blender and turned it on, mm-hmm. um, and oh. so like I remember my first trip to NY after listening to like Jay Z and Wu Tang my whole life, Nas, mm-hmm. and thinking. Oh, I mean, it was gentrified by then, but I was like, oh, this ain't nearly as bad as what they were talking about. When you first got here, because you, you came from Nigeria to D.C., mm-hmm. what did you feel after doing the reading and listening to the music? Like, what was your expectation versus what was reality? Um, 
So the the expectation was I thought I would come here and see all the rappers like Snoop Dogg and all those people just casually walking around. Okay. And that didn't happen. Um, so <laughs> so I had to scrap that thought. Um, but um, what I saw firsthand was the real struggle. Because we watch um, a lot of movies and we take the movies literally. Like you'll see certain characters or certain scenes in movies like we you know and that's another thing too that I realized wasn't true because you know you watch movies like Boys in the Hood and all those movies that were very popular then and I thought oh this is you know what it is and then I came here and I'm like these black people here are just like the people in my neighborhood in Nigeria difference is the language everything else is the same I'm curious I know I'm jumping around, but I feel like I'm pressed on time just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so forgive me for that. But um, you decided art was your life. And your first job, I noticed, forgive me if you're listening, because <laughs> I know I'm moving along pretty fast. Was was it this Burger King up the street that used to close yeah. that closed down? Yeah. Okay. The one right here across the street. So That was my first job. <laughs> Burger King security guard, a couple mm -hmm. other jobs. Yeah. Take me to how you get your artwork in XXL. That was the first one. Yep. So I kept going up to New York on my days off from those jobs because um, what I noticed was in the magazines, um, in the editorial page, like there's a page with the content and they have a list of names like art directors, editors, and people like that. And another thing, too, they had on there was the address of their office. So I would literally go up there to New York. I would look up in the magazine and see where the address is and then go to New York and try to get a portfolio review. And my work sucked back then. You know, it wasn't up until 2003, I think, is when I finally got a, a shot. Do you remember how many trips that... Oh, a lot. I, took, I, I, I made a lot of trips. So the security job was... Um, the security job was 12 midnight to 8 in the morning. So I would literally go to Greyhound from after work to um, like around 9 or 10 and then head up to New York and then come back 12 midnight for the next day to work. And um, yeah, it was nonstop. It got to a point where those people there thought I lived in New York um, and but um, there was a moment of uh, clarity where they sat me down and they were like you know your your work doesn't you're using the backgrounds to explain the piece and you know most of the stuff is not printable because the people that I was portraying didn't look like them so I would come back here to DC and use my security job as homework you know, like my, you know, putting in work to perfect. I think one of the things that stood out for me um, listening to you tell that story is if I had heard what you heard, I kind of would have took it as a rejection and you kind of took it as like, okay, this is a, this is what I need to know to go back to the drawing board in order to become right. successful. Right. And you, that's, that's all I, you know, because when you're, you know, at that time, being that I already established that thought process in Nigeria so when I came here I didn't care what anybody said you know I just me being at least I got to talk to somebody at least they got to look at my work 
which was impossible. So 99 to 2003, and in 2003 I got the call, and it's like, okay. And it was the Nas, it was Nas and Khalees marriage issue. And I still remember sitting at my security job working on that piece. And I would go to Kinko's and uh, scan it and email it. It's not like now where I could have just, you know, right. taken a photo. But um, so I scanned it and sent it and then waited, gave them the Kinko's number. And so when they called me back, I answered them from the Kinko's and they, I made the corrections, the correction notes, and then went back to my security job and finished it. You weren't securing much, were you? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Is, there, is there anything that you would give someone who is going through the same, has the same passion? You get what I'm saying? Because to me, that's a lot. Yeah. Going to New York every weekend. I don't even know how often you're going in order to get your artwork published in a magazine. Yeah. And, and we're just talking about one segment because now your artwork is all over the city. But, like, is there any advice or anything you would give somebody who kind of wants the same for themselves? Yeah, you know, just... Um, it's just understanding the what, how, and why uh, of anything you're trying to do. Um, or what is it you're trying to do? You know, how are you going to go about doing it? Why are you doing it? The last part is very important. If, you, if, if the why is popularity or fame or money, you will fail, guaranteed. I, I love comics. If you look at the work, I love fantasy art and I love comics. So if you go back and look at all my work, it kind of looks like something from out of a comic book. But at the same time, like I said, you know, like the Marvin Gaye mural, for instance, if you took that um, organized confusion cover and looked side by side at the Marvin and that, it's the same thing. The most recent mural that I'm doing right now, which is on um, 9th Street, is um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 9th Street, <laughs> um, right above um, Longview Gallery. Okay. I'm currently working on it, actually. I haven't finished yet. If you look at that one, you can see the influence of comics, you know, fantasy art, because it's a woman meditating, but she's levitating off the ground, and she's surrounded by nature and stuff like that. So, and the way the tree frames her in, and that's my love for illustration. I've always loved illustration, you know, and that's why when I got into the magazines, it was like, at this point, I can stop doing art, and I'll be fine, because I really love um, that storytelling. So, if I came here thinking I'm going to make a lot of money doing art, um, I think I would have failed before I even tried. Can I ask, how do you tell your story? Like, I've heard you mention storytelling a couple of times, um, watching other interviews, doing some research. I heard you mention passion a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel... You know, you said feast or famine for an artist. Do you yeah. feel cheated at all? Because I don't, you know, I don't know how much money you have in your pocket. But I, I talk to artists all the time. Jamal Gray, who was here, I notice how tied to his passion he is. He doesn't even want to take certain jobs if it if it doesn't align with his purpose. Mm -hmm. um, did you hit the mark what you aimed out for? Or do you like? There, there's no mark. That's okay. the whole point. <clears throat> 
excuse me, there is no mark. So what you, again, those other things are more important for me than the, you know, the other material stuff. Now, those things are a plus, you know, because it's how I make a living. You know what I mean? So the, I, I don't feel like I'm, I, I didn't hit the mark. I don't feel like, you know, I'm shortchanged. I don't feel like, you know, um, I don't get the recognition. Uh, like some people, a lot of times when people say, oh, how do you feel seeing a mural? I'm like, I'm the most known unknown person in D.C. And that's fine. You know, but there, there are people literally, I've met people and I was in a shop and they said, um, oh, what's the name? We, you know, I ordered something and they said, okay, so what is the name? And I said, Aniakan, and the people behind me were like, wait, are you the guy that does the, and I said, yeah. And they were like, oh, you know. And so, you, you know, I don't, I don't take that personal, you know, because again, right now, even as we speak, my mind is still in the first time I saw those uh, album covers you know, in hip-hop. So that's why I do that. If I leave here now, I'm going to draw. I'm, I was working, I was, okay, so here's, um, just to break down, to show you, like, most people would have never, okay, I worked 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. was the, a moving job. I worked a moving job. 2 p.m. to 11, I worked at CVS. Wait, now, wait, wait. How did you get? Was it moving job across the street from the CVS? No, you were late. The there. moving job was in Wheaton, <laughs> and right. then the, and then you get to go, and then the. <laughs> I was late every day. The know. moving <laughs> job was in Wheaton, All right. and I would take 16th Street, you know, the S bus up um, there, and then I'll come back. The CVS was downtown on Pennsylvania Avenue, and then my site was on Rhode Island Avenue, 14th and Rhode Island for security. So. 5 a.m. to um, 2 p.m., 5 a.m. to like 1-ish, I would work the moving job. And that depends on whether work comes in or not. And then I would go to CVS 2 to 11. And then from 12 midnight to 8 in the morning, I work security. 9 p.m., I'm in New York. Are you sleeping on a security job for real? No, I was up drawing. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, I, I was so... I don't know what it was, but I would sit there and I had a stack of magazines and that's all I did. I was just sitting there looking at the magazines, looking at what other artists were doing and trying to, you know, I was drawing and trying to see like what makes these guys special, you know, or something like that. And so I, I, a lot of relationships didn't work because, you know, and I don't blame uh, the, you know, the women then because you know, you have this guy who's like, like, what, are, what is in New York that you have to go there every day? Sometimes I would literally have like $75 left in my account and I'm like, yeah, I got to go to New York. And she's like, yeah, you have a girl there. You know what I mean? So a lot of breakups would happen because of that. Even the ones who say, oh, I understand, you know, but later on, they'll, you know, it, it seems suspect. But that's how bad I wanted to do this. And another thing, too. And we laugh about this with my younger brother. Um, I bought the first Blaze magazine back in Nigeria when Blaze magazine, you know, <laughs> came out with Method Man on the cover. And it was a thousand naira, one thousand naira at that time, like a lot of money. And I saved up a lot of money. I would literally count it out with my brother. And I'd be like, okay, now we had five, now we had seven. And I remember when I bought the magazine and I came home, 
he, there was a look on his face like, this dude is fucking crazy. Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you spend a thousand hours, but, and I still have that magazine. It's all raggedy now, but I still have it as a reminder. I'm, I can echo your brother, because some of what you just said sound unreal to me. You basically stayed up all day. Yeah. I would just, all those things, I would just hop here, hop here, hop here, because, you know, I w- it, it was, I, I really needed, I, I, you know, I don't know what it was, but it was like, I knew, like, this is what I want to do. This is exactly what I want to do. You know, so, um, eventually, yeah. Uh, I, and the mural thing, you know, just just started the same way. I used to turn down murals. I used to turn down mural drops. People would be like, yo, this is really dope. Do you do murals? I would say, nah, that's not my thing. Why, why? If you had spent so much time in art, the, were you uncomfortable? The, 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 I didn't understand the power of fear, um, using fear as a weapon, you know, on yourself. So my fear was, I don't know how to use spray paint, and I would be terrified when I saw graffiti guys use spray paint and they used it with ease you know they would you know create stuff and you know so that fear I I didn't want to come out and be a fraud you know like oh yeah I can do that and make some muffled lines and you know people who call me out on it and so I decided okay eventually I was like okay let me learn from them let me find out how the can, the mechanics of the can. And then once I did that, the confidence started building up. This mural behind the CVS is, is, was the beginning of that. That's why it looks really shabby. And I, I was trying really hard, but I was starting to, at the same time, that mural is where I started to understand the mechanics of the spray can. You know, and then by the time I did the Marvin Gaye mural, I was very confident. So I've been listening <laughs> a lot for a lot of reasons, but um, a lot of things you said stood out to me. And I think because the, the one thing that stands out to me is the power of hip hop. I think that, um, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. Hip hop in this country was probably how Fela was um, viewed by your parents in Nigeria, mm-hmm. and then today we look at all of the different um, cultures and ideas and fashion and um, humor, everything that that has spawned from hip hop, and then you, I would think, would be considered a child of hip hop. And even you saying your art is influenced by hip hop. And I used to live in New York in the late 80s, early 90s. And a lot of people may not understand what you mean or what the purpose was for you just to go to New York. Because I don't think you had a destination, right? You were just, yeah. you yeah, were just was, going. But that art was everywhere, right? Because it was anybody who had a, a can of paint mm-hmm. or even a marker. Mm-hmm. They was, you know, drawing a tagging on everything. The trains was covered in... in Graffiti, right. wall, everything, you know, phone booths, whatever it was, was covered in graffiti. So you could walk, if you, as an artist, mm-hmm. and you, you appreciated that artistic creativity, you could walk around the city and just be inspired. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's, the, that's another reason, because most people ask me, like, why New York? And I, because of that. Right. You know, we saw it in the videos, like, the way they portrayed New York was just like the mecca of hip-hop. So when I went there... And I love the energy in New York. It was just like, either you're in or you're out. 
you know, bring it or don't, <laughs> you know. And so um, at some point, because I kept going to, I forgot, um, I, there was a particular um, office that I kept going to. And the guy pulled me to the side and said, I, we know of you. Here's the problem. You look like a broke rapper trying to drop off his mixtape. Because I, 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 I was fully drenched in velour suits. I right. had a do-rag. I had, you know, like, and I, I wore, I went to Canal Street and bought some cheap chains. And I was trying to be New York. And I would come in like, yo, you know, check out my artwork. And he's like, no, that's, that's not how you do it. And two, for you to be this cocky, you, you know, and have whack work. You know, like that, that's not how this works. So here are some samples of what other artists are doing. And he gave me, like, showed me, like, their postcards, portfolios, and things like that. And he said, take this with you and go study. Like, you don't have a style. You know how New York is like, yo, you whack, B. You whack, son. You know, we can't use this. <laughs> you, know, you know how New York, like, it was very, it was like, it was in but, your face. yeah, but it was funny because the whole time I was giggling, like, okay, like giggling in, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh man, I get an actual New Yorker to <laughs> shut me down, like, wow, this is just like the movies. <laughs> I was like, this is just like the movies, man, it's like, you know, it's like, yo, you whack, son, you know, we can't use this, what, what is this? You know, and so he started showing. So when I came back to the security job, finally, that's, it's funny because I, I felt like, finally, I'm in. Someone looked at this stuff, you know, and, but the, nothing can beat, hip, hip hop is the biggest. <laughs> I don't know if anything can top hip hop. Hip hop is the biggest worldwide trade. Right. Like, the, I have a series called The Village B-Boy, and it's based off of, what how the influence of hip hop there were people back home who didn't have like they 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 you would see everywhere you went you go to a village and they're blasting hip hop music they don't know what the people are saying but they they understand the aggression in what they're saying and you see people like kind of like yeah you know like you go i'm talking about a village and someone has like a big radio sitting there a big boombox and they're blasting hip hop we, because we knew what that was, us kids from the city or the town, we would be in a village because the villages have the best palm wine, you know. So <laughs> that's where you go to get your palm wine, you know, and your suya, you know. So, and it was cheap, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we would be there and, you know, those people knowing, you know, being business people, they knew like, okay, these kids are from the city, so they would play the music to fit. And we would be listening, we were like, where y'all get this tape from? And they were, oh, you know, one of our cousins uh, works in Lagos, you know, or something like that. And we were like, is he here or something? So we would write the list. We would write down a list of songs that he should look for. Like, look for these people. Ask for these people next time. You know, because that was the thing in the 90s in Nigeria. You could, they had record stores where you can go and um, create a list and they'll create a mixtape for you. It was done from the artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was awesome. It was just, you know, so when I came here, that was, you know, and it's funny because the fella also discovered Nigeria when he was here, you know, and so because when he came here, like he was doing regular high life music. And then when he came here, he saw James Brown and Curtis Mayfield and all these people were making songs that had statements, but people were 
quote unquote, getting down with it. You know, people were dancing like James Brown's like, I'm black and I'm proud. But the song is so funky that everybody, Accepts all racists, yeah. yeah, are saying I'm black and I'm proud. You know, and he, he was like, wait, so you can do that? <laughs> so, so he, when he returned, that's where the Afrobeat came about because Afrobeat is such, it's a fusion of high life with politics, like, you know, um, what is it called? Uh, like a political statement right. behind it. So it's like you're dancing, but you have no idea what he's talking about. And he's using pidgin English, which is coded, you know. So most people will hear the song, like, say, Lady, you know, and, you know, if you call a woman African woman, no go she go say, I be lady, you know, and people will be like, oh, yeah, lady, lady. And it's like, oh, he's actually dissing those kinds of women, you know. And so the same thing with hip hop that I, I noticed, like, wow. So hip hop was doing that. And I, I heard that in Nigeria, you know, like all the songs I knew, you know, like the lyrics, I knew how important that was. I knew the difference between Big Daddy Kane and Kooji rap and Nas and, you know, because the way they flow and things like that. So we, me and my friends, we would sit down and break it down. And so when I came here, it was like, oh, you're in the mecca of this stuff. But over time, I started discovering Nigeria for real through, you know, because I, I started balancing out the struggle because to be real, <laughs> most foreigners they they see what they see you know in terms of like what is portrayed the way america portrays black culture it's like uh, black people are very rowdy and crazy and they'll shoot you you know at the drop of a hat and it's like no they're going through a struggle here just like you are you know and so when i saw that then it, it later on change my whole purpose of like the arts why are you doing the murals why are you doing this it's like i i listen to people from dc and they they say something like i'm a dc native born and raised and i think if you're born and raised in this city something should make you proud so when i create these murals now it's not about me accumulating every wall in the city it's like this is dc you know, in, in Lagos, in Nigeria, when you go into every city, they'll say, oh, welcome to blah, blah, blah. Welcome to such and such. You're now entering such and such. In Lagos, the sign says, this is Lagos. So my mural is saying, this is DC. You know? I think that's it for us. I think you wrapped us up quite <laughs> nice. <laughs> Left them speechless. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Thank you for coming. I know this was kind of last minute. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And th this is another thing, too. Like, I, I, I love this place. You know, I remember, you know, uh, Amila, you know, Nigel. I've, you know, I remember when this place, when they had the youth program here. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so coming here now and being in this place and talking, you know, like being able to tell the story and you guys inviting me here, I really sincerely appreciate it. And being that I live up the street too. Oh, it's easy. I'm going to say when I live just up the street. Um, I appreciate your passion, not in just the studio, but like I'm not staying up all day for anything, like literally all day. Um, 
and I hope that message struck a chord with someone listening. Absolutely. About you know whatever they're passionate for. So I appreciate that, yeah. and I appreciate you for painting DC so beautiful because it oh, is. Oh man, thank you. I, I I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Jack, Mr. Francis, anything? That's a wrap. Where can we find your work? Everywhere. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, the website is in the works right now, but the main place that I update on the regular is uh, Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter um, as at Aniakan Reloaded. A-N-I-E-K-A-N Reloaded. One word. Well, yeah. there it is. All right, y'all. So, window seat every Thursday, 5 p.m. So yeah, let's see y'all next week. <laughs> Cheers, bye. Yeah. <laughs>